Hi, I'm Tony. Hi, I'm Zach. And this is Chips and Salsa. Episode three, we're being more consistent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually have topics today, but, you know, mm-hmm. let's uh, just catch up. Um, we've been, we've been home, mm-hmm. like, for the past two days. Well, you worked yesterday. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. I, I'm still struggling with time. I know we're all struggling <laughs> with time, but uh, in particular, right now for me. It has been a blur. Yeah, I really am just struggling a little bit less than you because I do go to work still. <laughs> like work hasn't changed for me really. I, I mean, that is that is very true. And for I don't want people to think that I'm that I'm like mooching off of my wife. No, you're but working like, from home, work but that's home. the point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that like I have to leave yeah. and remember the date and write it on the whiteboard so people know what day it is. And then I'm like, what day is it? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's helpful. Ugh. Uh, so actually, that that kind of leads us into one of our first uh, kind of topics today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't going to be necessarily a, an advice show because we are in no way qualified to give any type of advice, really. Absolutely not. Uh, but Definitely not medical advice definitely either. Not medical advice either. So this isn't going to be like, you should do this if you experience this. Like this isn't, Mm-mm. you'd get as much information from one of those late night medical commercials uh, uh, or more, maybe, who knows. Um, but... We kind of wanted to talk about Tony's kind of first experiences as a nurse, just personally, mm-hmm. what what things were uh, different, more maybe more different than you expected, or what things were exactly what you expected. Mm. And it, I know it's probably kind of hard to speculate, and I'm throwing all of these questions, but you know, obviously the current state of the country and the world has changed a lot of medical people's like just experiences in the field mm-hmm. i guess so is there other things that you like you wish you could have experienced if there wasn't a pandemic oh. I guess, or uh or what so yeah just mm-hmm. i'm just curious about- well i'm i guess i'll answer that last question first i feel like it's yes. easier to answer that's a good question wait before you do let me just let me just uh get some more Lacroix, guys more Lacroix. this is hibiscus not a sponsor we just like it. Mm. A lot. Let, let those let those bubbles just just soothe your soul. As in, all right. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I am approaching the one year anniversary of being a real registered nurse. So, Hey-o. woohoo, new grad. <laughs> um. <laughs> I. It's hard for me to say what I wish had been different this first year because it was my first year. Right. I didn't really know exactly 
what would happen my first year, like what I'd get to see or experience. Um, I kind of just went into it knowing that it would be a lot of new mm-hmm. um, and that I just need to be kind of flexible, open-minded and humble about each day I mm-hmm. came to work. Um, so I, I mean, obviously starting off during a pandemic, I started October of last year. So there were a few <laughs> months of, quote unquote, normal nursing, but I was also um, doing orientation. So, um, you know, living in that little bubble for a while and wasn't really on my own without my preceptor for very long, maybe a month and a half. Which could you just real quick say what a preceptor is? So it's pretty typical for a new nurse, um, even if you have experience as a nurse to go through an orientation for at least, I'd say at least six to eight weeks. Um, I started off as a float nurse at my hospital, um, which means I just am floated to different units depending on where they need me that day. Um, During your orientation, at least at my hospital, you are assigned to one person who's doing your training for the entire time that you're in orientation. Um, so because I was a float nurse, they have a little bit of, and a new grad, they have a bit of a longer orientation just so I can get used to the different environments in each unit and just get used to being a a nurse as a new grad. Right. So that person who's training me, her her title, I guess, is a preceptor. preceptor. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um... So you're saying you you didn't have a lot of time in the just quote unquote regular just on my own on your own nursing mm-hmm. world right okay yeah yeah I guess it was maybe two months at the most um, and then during that period that I was on my own I decided that I really didn't like being a float nurse as because I was new and it was just added stress kind of not knowing each day where I was going to be and then sometimes being assigned to one unit and then having to move after I'd already started in one place. It was just very stressful for me personally. Plenty of people do it and enjoy it and love it. And I just didn't personally. So I decided or I had the opportunity to apply for a day shift position on a unit that I had experienced working on a few times and really enjoyed it's a surgical unit, so we see patients after they come out of recovery from various orthopedic uh, or just general surgeries. Surgery. I knew this. Yeah. But, but just that, so this is for you guys really to just have some context of what we're actually talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you didn't have a lot of time to just kind of be a quote unquote nurse, I guess, or or you you did maybe like two months, but without, Mm -hmm. without a preceptor Mm -hmm. and in a normal, whatever that was. Right. Atmosphere of. Yeah. Cause I guess I didn't really get to the point where I felt like, oh, this is normal. Oh my gosh, suddenly everything's changing. I kind of just, I was floating for a few weeks right. and then was like, I don't like doing this. It's too stressful. And I had a lot of anxiety the night before and the day of going back to work. 
Um, and then I applied for a new job. And then I kind of had a few weeks of orientation there too because I hadn't, I didn't have a lot of experience caring for surgical patients. So there's kind of some like more nuanced things that I had to learn. And then it was a few weeks of being by myself on this new unit. And then COVID kind of really ramped up in Chicago. Yep. Uh, maybe the second week of March, first or second week of March. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything kind of just. For new regulations, new yeah. new <laughs> like everything's changing yeah. every day. Right. And everyone's getting floated to. <laughs> Units that are designated for patients who are either waiting to get test results from their COVID swabs or are tested positive. Um, And so everything was still really new for me. And I kind of just was like, all right, this is happening. I guess I'll go with it. Because it's kind of still the mindset that I was in. I hadn't really gotten out of that and like settled into anything that felt like a normal routine so even though you didn't like it floating might have kind of prepared you for the yeah that's true i don't even know all the kind of chaos that came with right yeah that's true i had at least floated to pretty much every unit that i could float to Mm. um except for I had floated to a an MICU medical intensive, um, an MICU medical right. ICU, um, but uh, the units where patients were being tested or cared for that had COVID, I had already been there, so it was at least nice to know that I already knew some of the nurses there. I knew where things were. I knew all the codes to all the locked doors and. So I at least had the experience of having floated before, but um, there's still a lot of things that I'm sure any medical professional anywhere um, knows that it was just kind of day by day we're figuring things out. Yeah, I was going to say it seems almost universal in terms of just coming into any new situation where that's mm -hmm. a job or school or something. It's just like, okay, so I have all this knowledge but now I have to learn how to apply it in a practical way at the same time learning an entirely new environment too. So Yeah, I mean, it was kind of more than that. I mean, mm-hmm. because it's like when you start a new job or go to a new school, you kind of expect that there's going to be a lot of new experiences and new processes to learn. But it wasn't just that I was experiencing that because I'm a new nurse. It was the fact that we're in a pandemic and literally there are things we never had to think about. Anybody really had to think about. So it wasn't just me learning new processes. It was like new policies being made that were changing daily because we'd be like, oh, that's actually not working. (laughs) It sounds good on paper, but in practice, we're running into all of these problems. So it was kind of an added complication every day. Just, I mean, even small things like how much 
how many times can I change my gown? How many times can I change my mask? Where am I keeping all of this stuff that's now contaminated? And sure. even small things like, okay, I'm, I have to, after a while we had to, you know, wear the same gown or whatever. Um, where do I keep that? And is it safe for me to keep it in a plastic bag versus a paper bag? And the infectious right. implications of one bag over the other other. So small things that I, <laughs> I would have never had to think about. And so many experienced nurses and people who are in charge of making these policies had to think about. So it was very stressful for everybody. Mm. Everyone is feeling the pressures, very tense environment because you have all these little and big things that you're thinking about on top of the fact that we have this illness that we don't really know anything about. And I'm putting my life and my loved one's lives at risk because I don't want to get infected and I I want to care for these patients, but I don't know how protected I am and I want to protect my loved ones when I go home. So it's just a lot to think about. So let's get into... Well, I, I, I kind of want to. I want to touch on you know pre-pandemic. Are there mm-hmm. things that, or there's some, or there's some things that you were ex. Hmm, how do I want to phrase this question? What things were you looking forward to? Uh, yeah, going from school <laughs> to an actual uh, nursing job, and then for maybe people who are in the now times who are either considering nursing school or. Maybe they're close to graduating and they're still not sure where they want to, mm-hmm. what they want to get into. How did you decide, like, I want to go be a nurse at a hospital as opposed to uh, being like a community nurse, like mm-hmm. uh, like some other people we know or mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah, um, I guess I'll just be very <laughs> real. Uh, one of the things that I was most looking forward to was just having a job. And <laughs> earning money, yep. uh-huh. yes. <laughs> um, rather than continuously racking up tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Um, <laughs> so that was um, definitely one of the biggest things I was looking forward to um, once I finished school and passed the end clocks and all of those hurdles that you Ugh, have to. Those are some rough, rough hurdles, man. All of those hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. So yeah, I was just looking forward to like the routine of. I have a work schedule and when I come home from work, I don't have to do homework and figure out how to survive financially. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I I really love the program I was in. I feel like they really prepared me for the reality that nursing school is very different from actually nursing Mm -hmm. um and nursing school is obviously very or maybe not obviously but it is very rigorous very challenging um not just academically i feel like it challenges you on a personal emotional level um yeah i feel like when you're in nursing school you're kind of growing as a whole person because when you become a nurse you have to bring your whole self to the job um, it's not just, it's not the kind of job where you can really shut off 
all parts of yourself except for like your <laughs> yeah, brain right you have to bring like you to your heart present. your emotions like every part of yourself um and that's what nursing is about and that's what i love about nursing um is that we are approaching patients in a holistic way addressing their whole lives or at least trying to um so i kind of was prepared for that reality shock that what I had experienced in nursing school would be very different from actually working as a nurse. I, um, mind you, had started nursing school after working the quote-unquote real world. <laughs> so I was, uh, how old was I? 28, <laughs> 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 uh, when I started nursing school. So I had... You know, some experience yeah, as an adult. Change. Right. This is yeah. a career change for me. So I think maybe that kind of prepared me for like how things would be different from nursing school. Obviously, there are some things that you just don't realize until you're in the job. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, interacting with doctors is tricky kind of learning their personalities you kind of have to learn a lot of things that are not necessarily in your job <laughs> description yeah. just to make the job more like to help yourself work more efficiently um and have things go more smoothly <laughs> <laughs> so there's just a lot of little things you have to learn um that you you don't learn in nursing school at all like how to have interpersonal skills Yes, interpersonal <laughs> skills, not just with doctors, but other nurses, just sure. everybody. You're around, yeah. you're surrounded by people all day. Um, your patients, your patient family members, um, you know, it's, you're all, you're just around family all the time and you have to be prepared to interact with everybody appropriately respectfully but kind of firmly a lot of times especially with patients or um, really with anybody with a doctor yeah with another nurse with the secretary yeah, really pe anybody <laughs> people are still people in this field <laughs> yeah you just have to learn like okay this is what i need and I need help with it. You have to step out of your comfort zone a lot, at least for me. Um, not always the greatest at asking for help. I tend to think that I can just do it on my own, but you really just don't have time for that. <laughs> um, you need help. You need other people's help. You need to have people you can ask your questions to and... Um, and you have to just also be willing to kind of not take things personally, I guess. Um, it's just a high-stress environment working at a hospital, and everyone's experiencing their own pressures. So I think remembering that even just, I mean, literally for everybody, the housekeeper, the maintenance people, like just realizing everybody is under a lot of pressure and everybody's job is very important. So kind of being mindful of what other people are experiencing helps you kind of approach situations with a little more compassion and <laughs> patience, I think. And that's kind of a lot of stuff you don't experience in nursing school. But I previously worked in behavioral health, so I think I learned a lot of that stuff. <laughs> um, I yeah, kind of I mean, had jobs where I'm like I'm required to 
be stretched interpersonally, I guess. So I'm really grateful for those experiences. Okay, so we're going to switch gears. Yeah, sorry I was yawning. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, this might seem, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out like a good balance for these episodes, right? Like that wasn't necessarily heavy, but just Mm-mm. very, I don't know, serious, mm-hmm. not serious. But we want people to get to know us. Um, and one of the ways that you can get to know me Zach Messy. It's through nerd culture. <laughs> yeah, man. Tony. I'm introducing a new segment right here and right now. Oh. I have uh, not landed on a segment name, but it's going to either be Zach Facts or Facts with Zach or something where my name is rhyming. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you're familiar with Black Panther. A. Yes, the movement or the <laughs> either <laughs> the one comic. Are you familiar with the movement yes. of the Black Panthers? <laughs> I didn't know which direction we were going here. <laughs> I assumed uh, uh, the, the Marvel, the Marvel comic Marvel superhero, superhero. Yes. yes, I am familiar with the Black Panther, the Black Panther. <laughs> Not the Fun Black fact. Panthers. Fun fact: Black Panther as a character originated before the Black Panther movement and yes. then its name was his name was changed for a second mm. so as not to be associated with that movement although it pretty why much not? right I mean like, I get I get it politically why, why but like everything that he was fighting for is pretty much what the Black Panthers are right. fighting for so whatever they changed it back it makes a lot of sense anyway if you've seen the movie which came out in like 2018 mm-hmm. aside from whoa yeah, right? Okay. I mean, that just represented a whole bunch of hopeful times, even in sucky times. That was but only two years ago. That was ago. two years ago. Right. Does that feel like 10 years ago? <laughs> I know. God. <laughs> I had a mm-hmm. very fun time at that movie. Loved it. Uh, it, it was, was su- good. It was very good. It was surprising to me how many people prior to the release of the actual movie, when they saw him in Civil War, mm-hmm. they weren't sure if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Or bad guy, and I was like, typical. But anyway, um, you'll be one of the things that people really liked about it was uh, his bodyguards, the Dora Milaje, uh, yes. elite fighting force of all women uh, who are just BA, BA warrior people. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't mess with them, um, which again was not surprising, I feel like, to the black community, really. It was just mm-hmm. like, mm, yeah, there's this group of str- like. The, the civil rights movement has always been led by matri- has a lot of times been led by matriarchal figures. <laughs> like, yeah, just and we just we know a lot of BA black women, women black in women. our lives personally. Personally, right? So like, like yeah, give us give them a spear. But anyway, mm-hmm. did you know that they're actually based on an actual real world group of uh, African all female warriors? Mm. Um, one of the only elite fighting forces that were all women. They were in Western Africa around the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, it was in a kingdom called Dahomey. This like kingdom was referred to by 
like 18th and 19th century French people because they were the ones colonizing Western Africa mm-hmm. as the Black Sparta or like the African Amazons. Wow. Which I get Sparta was BA as well, but like they're their yeah, own they thing. Their own. They can be their own thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the cool thing about these women is that they were, uh, they defended the king of the region. Like he specifically had them. Um, as bodyguards, there are some other kings in different parts of the in different parts of the world that uh, had like female warriors, mm-hmm. but they were most they were mainly ceremonial, like they weren't really used. Hmm. There is some king, I believe, in now it's Asia Minor, maybe who had like an elite force of all female archers. I believe I forget the name, but anyway, hmm. these Dahomey women were trained in a number of different ways from like uh they were taught to withstand pain uh they were forced to like climb these huge walls that were just like covered in sharp thorns and whatnot it's insane uh there is an account of this uh french priest i guess (laughs) um uh who was actually present at one of the like martial displays Mm -hmm. that a Dahomey king was doing, just kind of like army on parade type of thing that like show how awesome our warriors are. And he's just sitting, this priest is just sitting here watching them and he describes them as like, you know, they're barefooted, they're, armed with all of these crazy like three foot long straight razors there each wielding them with two hands uh and it is his his description of the women this french guy is a little bit pervy well which again tracks to present day of the fetishizing of black women's bodies women's bodies in general but also like describing black women as like animalistic and junk but despite all of that um these women were, uh, you know, you weren't supposed to touch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had their arrivals into certain areas, like announced, like somebody would go before them saying like, hey, she's mm-hmm. here or they're here. Don't touch them. It's crazy. Wow. Um, I mean, just like we see in Black Panther. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like these are a set apart mm. group of people. Most notably, one of the more famous uh, warrior Warriors, actually a warrior queen, mm-hmm. was named Nzinga of Matamba. And this whole story has become like very po- um, popular since mm. the Dormelage because people were like, hey, are these people real? And it's like, actually, yes. She was, put simply, one of the most notorious warrior queens of this particular region because the French were trying to colonize Western Africa and they eventually succeed, obviously. But mm. Nzinga was very. Um, instrumental in basically pushing back mm-hmm. against their troops. And mm-hmm. these are against French troops with like much more advanced weaponry. But these Dahomey warrior women were going toe to toe with them. And in hand to hand combat, they were absolutely decimating these wow. French troops. Uh, and it's crazy because how they trained uh, their warriors, as in particular, new recruits who hadn't yet drawn blood Mm -hmm. um this is where it gets uh very 
very crazy. Um, so apparently a, there was a European visitor uh, by the name of Sir Richard Burton. He visited uh, Dahomey around the 1860s, right? Um, he noted that like to even touch these women meant death. Like he was just observing all of these things. And he was also watching their new recruits being put through extensive training. So one aspect of their military training was insensitivity training, which oh. happens today. Yeah. But that just meant exposing people who hadn't been hadn't seen hadn't seen things. death or seen certain things to that thing. So one of these ceremonies was new recruits were required to get up on this platform that was like 16 feet high in the air and basically lift up a basket, like a large basket that contained some of their bound and gagged prisoners of war and just chuck them off of a wall and just watch it happen. So... What? Yeah, it's insane. Uh, that's that's the Sir Richard guy's account. Burton. Or Burton, sorry. Yeah, so that's Sir Burton's account. A French person's account. His name was Jean Bayol. He was a French naval officer. December. 1889. Teenage recruit. Young lady. Uh, apparently her name was uh, Naniska. She hadn't killed anybody. This is where it gets nuts. This is how they tested her. They brought her a young prisoner who sat bound in a basket and according to the French naval officer, uh, she and I quote, walked jauntily up, swung her sword three times with both hands then calmly cut the last flesh that attached the head to the trunk. Oh. And then she squeezed the blood off of her weapon and <coughs> squall swallowed it. Oh. So, yeah. That's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. So that's just how B.A. these <coughs> women... I mean, they were not messing around. They weren't messing around. Long story short, um, eventually things came to a head... Uh, around the uh, around like 1890 it was the French Dahomey mm -hmm. war and obviously the French won colonized it mm. <laughs> French speaking Africa but uh, these these women were instrumental and mm -hmm. they almost didn't win like the French almost yeah. the French almost lost it mm -hmm. because these women were so fierce and it's kind of up for debate when the last of these warrior women, died out like mm. the survivors or you know veterans sure um but it's interesting because there's an account of a uh of a young man or now older man who was alive when like reportedly the last of these warriors was still alive and she's mm. old and they used to like make fun of her the, doing stupid teenager things like calling her names and throwing rocks and stuff, which I don't know why you'd be throwing rocks. That's weird. That's okay. not a normal thing. But anyway, long story short, apparently there's a moment where they were doing their normal torturing thing of an old woman <laughs> and somebody threw a rock and it clacked against another one and it must have triggered her PTSD because oh. she immediately... Uh, dropped down to her dropped down to the ground acted like she was like picking up a rifle and she was doing imaginary hand-to-hand -hand combat with an Whoa. enemy she was like doing all of these things that she was trained to do she just went right back she into just like went battle right, mode yeah she just went 
right back into it. And there's like this song of victory and dance that they would do. Mm. And then like after she was done, like she just kind of went back to being this old woman Mm -hmm. or whatever. And these teenagers were confused by it. And so they asked like a passing adult, like, what the heck, what is this? And the adult just goes, uh, the battle ended years ago, but she continues the war in her head. Mm. And it's just, it's just an incredibly insane, just series of events. And obviously Mm. like that's, that's a really quick version. Yeah. There are so many other just very interesting accounts. Sure. I just thought that was super interesting. Yeah, so interesting. So, you know, it makes, it gives Black Panther a little bit more oomph, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. So Dora Milaje in real life, mm-hmm. they have no problem taking your head and apparently drinking your, your blood. So that's, that's a little dark. Disney's probably not out for that. I mean, yeah, I don't, Disney's probably I don't, not going to show that. I don't think that uh, <laughs> was a scene they would have been filming. Right, like I, I, don't, <laughs> I would have loved to see it pitched, though that would have been great. Oh. I'm just interesting, saying. Interesting. Anyway, that is very fascinating, Zach. Like, actually, did you enjoy that? Yeah, this is a new for segment. real. Okay, it was that was very interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. Guys, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it is insane. So, guys, if you like, if you enjoyed that as well, and you want Zach's facts to be a thing, or maybe mm-hmm. you'd like. Maybe you'd like some uh, some more history on other things. It doesn't yeah. just have to be superhero related, but anything think, really. Yeah, things that I find interesting. Anyway, uh, I think that'll that'll do that'll do it for our show. Yeah, man. Uh, this is episode three, so we are still recording a backlog. Okay, and. I won't give out like I, I'm everything about me on Twitter and Instagram, like it's public. So mm-hmm. if Twitter, my Twitter is at ZJ Massey and my Instagram is at ZJ Massey. So if you want to stay tuned, for stay tuned release. for other things. Yeah. Or ask me questions. Feel mm-hmm. free unless it's inappropriate and then I will block you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> bye. Bye bye.